passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode, episode 170, for the love of the game, on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. A little live tour action, maybe. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting props and futures. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device for your desktop. Join today. Make your first deposit to make your first bet. Use promo code BLEAV50. That's B L E A V to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 50% of your money on your first deposit if you use promo code BLEAV50. B L E A V. Again, B-L-E-A-V to get 5-0 to get started. Bet online where the game starts with that said. Episode 170 for the love of the game. Let's get this one. From the front to the back, from the left to the right side. We're worldwide. From the east to the west side. Get it, girl. That's right. Let's ride. I beat the beat the up, 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 up. I beat the beat the up, 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 yeah, I want it, I really, really need it Take your girl down, cause I know she really need it Yeah, I get a Then she ever been nasty telling me That she gonna tell all her friends I'm like, okay, bring them all along As long as they know all the words to my song Yeah, I'm nasty, I know you like it Look the bottom lip, baby girl, you gon' bite it Yeah, I go do, I love it from the back you know what it is, episode 170 for the love of the game. We're back. It's ATH back in the saddle, back behind the mic. What is good, everybody? I'll tell you what's not good. What's not good is the New York Yankees. Everything about the New York Yankees is not good, specifically their offense. What was a team that used to lead the league and run scored after this past week? That's no longer the case. They've been slumping terribly. They lost one nothing again last night. Garrett Cole pitched another gem, and he didn't get a win. That's two straight in a row now. Two gems after getting shellacked by Seattle. He's back on the mend. And again, I still have my doubts about Garrett Cole in a big spot, but whatever. It's not his problem. It's not the pitching staff's problem recently. The offense can't score. This Yankee team over their last 50 games is 23 and 27. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Before the season started, I said that this team 
was a little bit better than last year, but ultimately it was going to be a frustrating 94-95 win team. It got sucked in early. An unbelievable clip they were on early on to start the year. 47-15 and at one point. You know, beating up on everybody. Aaron Judge having a Mickey Mantle-type season. And none of it matters because at the end of the day, this team is incredibly flawed. Incredibly, incredibly flawed. I mean, this lineup right now has a lot of dead weight. Glaber Torres, I know he got a couple of hits last night. He stinks. All he does is swing for the fence. He stinks. Josh Donaldson, all he does is swing for the fences. He stinks. Aaron Hicks is the worst player in baseball right now. Joey Gallo had the mantle. Right now it's Aaron Hicks. Andrew Benatendi has come over and hasn't really done a whole heck of a lot. The lineup stinks with Carpenter and Stanton out. I mean, they need these guys in the worst way. And Aaron Boone, besides for just defending his players on called balls and strikes, he doesn't inspire anybody. So, yeah, the feel-good vibes are over in Yankee land. It's absolutely over. Do you have any faith in this team winning a first-round series? If it's Seattle, I'm not so sure. They can't hit Seattle. It, they, they can't grind out at bats. It's, it's incredible. I mean, this Yankee team, just atrocious, absolutely atrocious. DJ LeMayu's now hurt. He's day-to-day. If it's not Aaron Judge carrying the team, the lineup is really bad. Really, really bad. They need Stanton back in the worst way, and they need to just start playing good baseball again. The base running's been atrocious. The fielding has been atrocious. The hitting's been atrocious. Not good times in Yankee land. Not good times. The Mets, however, the Mets are doing everything right. Everything right. They're rolling. I know they got beat up last night in a rain delay game, weird game in Atlanta, but the Mets are killing it. We're going to talk about the Mets a lot later on in this show because, quite frankly, they deserve it. They absolutely deserve it. I said it last week. I maintain it to be true. I think the Mets are the favorite to win the World Series. I'll say it once. I'll say it again. Good times in Mets land. We're going to get into uh, the Mets again little later on the show with a recurring guest. Speaking of the New York Jets, Zach Wilson, preseason game one, looked like a non-contact knee injury for Zach Wilson, which non-contact knee injuries usually spell disaster. That usually spells torn ACL, MCL, absolute disaster. But according to Ian Rappaport, it's only a bone bruise. Four to six weeks. Zach Wilson is still aiming to play week one. The Jets, who normally things don't go right for them, dodged a major bullet here. Joe Douglas and his regime has put a lot of good pieces around Zach Wilson. A lot of good pieces. They've drafted well. They've drafted smart. They've spent money. They're doing what you're supposed to do with a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal. But none of it's going to matter if Zach Wilson isn't the goods. And you need to find out if Zach Wilson's the goods. And you can't do that if he doesn't play. So if he were to have missed all year with an ACL tear, that would have been a doomsday scenario for the Jets. But that's not the case. So good for the Jets. We'll see what happens with Zach Wilson and how he plays this year. But the Jets dodged a major, major bullet. In terms of the NBA, Kevin Durant is really trying to get himself traded. I've got news for you. 
I don't think Kevin Durant's getting traded. That guy is acting like a huge bitch, but that's what Kevin Durant has decided to do. It is what it is. Unbelievable. But whatever. As for the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell, Shams comes out with the report today that the Knicks and the Jazz are back in the mix, back talking. Supposedly the Wizards and the Hornets are involved. I, I don't care. I don't care about any of the reports. I don't care about any of it. Until the trade's official, I don't care about the reports. I don't value the reports. I don't care if there's speculation about who's going to be in the deal and who's not and who the Jazz want and who the Jazz don't want. I still maintain that it's going to look the deal's going to look a certain way. I have not wavered off of that. I will not waver off of that. I will be proven right or I'll be proven wrong. But none of it's going to matter until the deal's done. So, Knicks fans, don't get your panties in a bunch about the reports. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, we'll move on. But yeah, don't value any of these reports anymore. And one last thing uh, regarding the NBA that came out today. Saw it uh, across the timeline. And actually, a friend of mine, recurring recurring guest Rob Carpellis, sent the tweet that the NBA won't play games on Election Day and that every team will have, quote-unquote, an Election Day theme. I'll tell you what it means, but all it is is political grandstanding by the NBA. Go out and vote. Going out to vote is very important. It's the most civic duty thing that you can do. I don't care which way you vote. Do it. Do it. But for the NBA to say that you can't play games on election day because it holds some insane importance, well, you could vote earlier on in the day and then play the games in the evening. Is that not possible? According to the NBA, it's not possible. All this is, is political grandstanding by the NBA. That's all it is. It's all this is. And the political grandstanding by the NBA has not worked out for the NBA over the last couple of years. All right? It's one of the reasons the ratings are down. The NBA can say what it wants. Mark Cuban can say what he wants about it. He's wrong. He's flat out wrong. So this is just more Adam Silver getting in the way of the NBA. And I've been on this kick for a while that Adam Silver, for as much good as he's done for the league, he's equaled it in terms of how much damage he's caused the league by his political grandstanding. And this is just more of it. It's more of it. I mean, I don't like to talk politics on this show. That's not what I'm about. But this is just another boneheaded decision by the National Basketball Association who, even when they have the best collection of talent that they've ever had, continues as a league to shoot itself in the foot. It is what it is. It is what it is. But yeah, anyway, that's a little bit of the monologue. Not a whole heck of a lot to talk about since last week. We're getting closer to football season where we will have more to talk about. So with that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about the Mets and a little F-Boy Island, which to me is just the best, and we're going to talk to him in just a matter of moments. As I said in the monologue, my baseball team right now is in the crapper, but there's another team in town that is 
The exact opposite, definitely not in the crapper. Last night, be damned. So we had to bring on a recurring guest. We got a lot to talk to him about, specifically about the New York Mets. And we're going to talk about my new favorite show of all time, F-Boy Island. Harris Marks, what's going on, bud? How you doing? Hey, Aaron. How are you? All is good. All is good. So the Mets right now have the best record in New York. They had a minor blimp yesterday, losing to the Braves, but Jacob deGrom is back and dealing. Edwin Diaz has awesome entrance music. Pete Alonso's in the mix for NL MVP. Just how much fun are you having right now with this Mets season? Well, it's it the, the Mets are just straight fire right now. We'll put the last night rain delay game uh, aside. You know, they're 75 and 41. It's the best record they've had at this at over 500 since uh, 2006 season. Um, you know, they've 16 and six since the all-star break, four and a half games up in the division, second best, best record in baseball behind the Dodgers. It's great. All's good in Metsland. So this has to be the best season of your lifetime, right? And the best season since 86 in terms of just most fun, you know, most enjoyable, given the cast of characters, given the, I, I guess the makeup of the roster where like they have like a real legitimate chance to win. Yeah, it's definitely the first time in, in my lifetime uh, that the Mets are uh, a favorite to uh, go to the World Series. Uh, you know, the the past teams, uh, past seasons that we think of, 2000, obviously, in the Subway Series, 2006, uh, 2015, they went to the World Series. Um, they were all good teams, uh, but they were uh, they were sort of plucky. They were underdog teams. Uh, this Mets team is built to win the World Series, and let's see. So when they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline, a lot of Mets fans were really up in arms. They were nervous about the bullpen. They were nervous about maybe another bat. Where were you in, in reference to all of this? Because if you go on Mets Twitter – it, it seemed like the sky was falling, but I never understood why everybody was like the sky is falling, considering they have basically the three best pitchers in baseball. And we know that in the playoffs, that's what really matters. Uh, and I assume you're talking three best starting pitchers. You're talking about Diaz. No, three best Diaz. pitchers, the two best starters and the best reliever. Right. So, I mean, the, the Mets pickup that they did make was Jacob DeGrom. Uh, they added the best pitcher in all of baseball at the all-star break or at the trade deadline. And so they really didn't need a starting pitcher. Uh, so with that, that's putting it aside. And what the Mets didn't do uh, was they didn't mortgage their future and they added uh, smart pieces, which they did in the off season uh, by adding guys like Kana, Smarte, who've been absolute stars so far. And uh, then, and, the, and what they, and they added, um, and they added the pieces that make a, both righty and left-hand side of the bat uh, for the DH position. In, and, and so I, I was fine with it. I, I certainly wasn't uh, taken aback that we didn't mortgage our future for um, some sort of rental player. And I think there was still some shell shock from last season's uh, Baez deal, uh, which was a disaster. I guess my question is, you mentioned mortgaging the future, right? The present is very much now, though. So, I mean, you don't know how much longer Jake DeGrom is going to be as great as he is given his health issues. Max Scherzer, who's, you know, otherworldly, but he's still, I think, 37 or 38. Like, would you have liked to them 
have really kind of say screw the future a little bit to go for ultimate win now mode. I mean, I'm not sure it's even going to matter, but wouldn't you like to have bolstered it a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I I I think I would have liked to have bolstered the bullpen. Uh, I don't think they did enough to address that. Um, although they so you would have preferred a bullpen arm over a bat. I would have preferred a bullpen arm over a bat. I don't think the Mets needed a bat, and they certainly didn't need a starting pitcher. Um, so yeah, a bullpen help I would I would have liked. But you know, in the postseason these days, the Mets have the Mets uh, have five starting pitchers and in the postseason you can't have five starting pitchers and what we've seen in the past years is that these starting pitchers now become in the bullpen uh so for the postseason we'll see who ends up there i mean that wouldn't surprise me even the least bit if that that's where we get our relief help in the postseason so you mentioned the starting pitching obviously DeGrom is the best but the big pickup this offseason was max scherzer who if it wasn't for DeGrom would probably be this, the best pitcher in baseball. And I assume he's probably going to win the Cy Young in the National League. Just w- describe to me what it's like to root for Max Scherzer on a day-in and day-out basis. Because he, he's got – he's basically a crazy person. He's got the crazy eyes. He's as intense as ever. He seems to bring this this – you know, a level of seriousness and a moxie to, to the clubhouse. So it's it's beyond just his performance. I mean, describe to me the, the Scherzer experience, especially since you've rooted against the guy for so many years when he was in the division. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, I agree with you. I mean, he was a national for uh, way too long, and uh, I hated seeing him on the mound. And, uh, you know, the Mets couldn't have paid him enough. Um <laughs> You know, this season in his uh, 16 games he pitched, he's had 13 quality starts, eight and two, 1.98 ERA. The guy's 38 years old. This is outrageous. You know, the two best pitchers in baseball right now probably are Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, and they're both over 30. They're both 38. It's nuts. Um, but you know, they, oh, and, they, and and Degrom. Degrom has had three starts, and we'll talk right, about how right. he's the greatest. Also, but don't don't get me wrong. But I'm saying as far as season wide performance. Uh, I, I Scherzer is, is, has been dominant. Um, you know, since he's been back, uh, since I think July 5th is when he came off the IL, uh, the Mets starting pitching is th- their entire starting pitching ERA is the best in baseball. And it's no surprise that Scherzer brings that sort of aura to the team. So who's more responsible for the seriousness of the clubhouse? Cause is it him or Buck Showalter? Who's obviously been a, major, major upgraded manager over uh, the likes that they've had in the last couple of years, whether it was Mickey Callaway or who was it last year? Uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't Rojas. even remember. Rojas. Yeah, Rojas. Luis Rojas, Rojas, who's now the third base coach for the New York Yankees, uh, which seems to be a sinking ship. So who would be more responsible for, for the turnaround in terms of a business-like professional clubhouse that is the New York Mets? Yeah, it's, those are funny words that you're putting in, in the I know, right? like New York Mets clubhouse. It's, it's we're, crazy. We're in banana land. land. And I, I, I would take I, I would take exception to the word that the Mets clubhouse is serious. I, I While I, it's definitely professional and they're playing the game the right way, I certainly think the guys are relaxed. Uh, I don't think it's right. I don't I don't think Buck brings that, uh, you know, he's a he is a player's manager at the same time. Um, so I, I, I think that 
uh, I think that you ha- it has it starts with Buck. You know, he's this guy is in complete command of the clubhouse. He knows the baseball rule book up and down. I, I learned things about baseball that in my uh, years of watching baseball, I never even heard of before. And Buck is practicing these things. Like uh, uh, the other day, uh, in in the uh, there was a ground ball hit to second base, and the the Mets had Nimmo was on first, and um, the second baseman for I think it was the Braves, was the last bracer, his second baseman went to go field the ball, and um, instead of going to turn because he didn't have enough time to do the to throw to second and throw to first to get the double play because there was one out, um, he went to go tag Nimmo who was running past him. Uh, which you've seen a million times. Buck teaches these guys to slide in the middle of the in of the middle of the diamond, nowhere to avoid even the, the tag. Diamond, to av- not a, not only to avoid the tag because you can really if you're sliding down, but what it does is it changes it, the the player. He, one, they don't expect it. Two, it, get, it it adds two seconds for the guy who's running from the plate to home because the now the ru- the runner the the fielder has to bend down and tag him and then throw the bait throw to first. Marte, who was running behind him, made it to first base in time. That whole play was something that that was different. But the list, the little things like that, that Buck is teaching these guys, and and those things are going to make a difference in the postseason. What's crazy is that Buck Showalter, if you look at his career, he's basically been this guy forever, right? He comes in, he immediately instills some type of ultra professionalism guys start playing way better they play above their heads you know he he's been the bridesmaid but never the bride but it's just like you have to start somewhere especially for the Mets who had a certain culture about them especially last year with the thumbs down crap and like the squirrel and all all that garbage like Buck comes in switches the whole vibe up and now you're on the precipice yeah, I, I mean, you know, they always say managers, there's that age saying if managers are overrated and, you know, no, nobody... they're not because I, I, I watch a team that if it's not for the fact that all he does is, you know, when he argues balls and strikes, he makes sure that his players don't get thrown out. But other than that, he does absolutely nothing to instill confidence in players to rally guys, to get guys to play above their heads, see Glaber Torres, see Aaron Hicks. Whatever. Yeah, managers do matter. But anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, you you say that, but, uh, you know, last year the Braves won the World Series with uh, Snitker. Uh, The year before that, the Dodgers won the World Series with Brian Roberts. These are not particularly known as good managers. And, uh, you know, sometimes if you have the right team, the managers can can be in, in the background, especially in the postseason where it's about getting hot. Uh, I think what Buck does bring, though, is it's sort of like a wins above replacement type of situation, right, where he adds eight to ten wins on, on top of the team, which right now with the Mets, with the Braves, who are still a, a very good baseball team, uh, that's the difference as to why the Mets are in first and the Braves are, are, are behind. How, how nervous were you going into this four-game set with the Braves? Not at all. We just whipped them at home and uh, – you know, and and you know why you never be you're never nervous when you're a Mets fan these days, especially in a four game series, because you know you're gonna have Desiree and Scherzer. And whenever that that it's it's the ultimate equalizer. Even if we don't score runs, they're gonna give up one run. They're gonna give up zero runs. You know, and the Mets offense, which is dynamic this year, uh, I, I'm not worried about it even a little bit. 
And you know the the Braves are 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 play, are playing good baseball right now. And so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Speaking of dynamic, the closer Edwin Diaz. It's been quite a roller coaster with Edwin Diaz time at the Mets. You know, when they made the trade, they brought in Robinson Cano. They traded out um, Jared Kalanick, the top prospect. Uh, Met fans were up in arms, right? So that, I mean, it was a lot had to do with the Cano contract and the fact that he was old and washed, but whatever. They were up in arms. They traded the top prospect for a closer because people are like, yeah, you don't trade for relievers like that. Then Edwin Diaz doesn't necessarily back up his all-star appearances with the, um, the Seattle Mariners. But now we've come, you know, we've done a 180, and Edwin Diaz is by far the best reliever in baseball. He has awesome entrance music, absolutely awesome entrance music. So describe to me, like, have you seen anything like this with the Mets uh, in terms of a guy who started off the the Mets era, started off so poorly, and then it basically turned around because, like, it didn't happen for Jason Bay. It didn't happen for Roberto Alomar. Like, how awesome is this? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really difficult in New York to start out rocky and then take turn that swing. It, it, it's the type of stuff that you hope your closer has that uh, turn the next page, forget about what happened yesterday mentality. Um, and I think Diaz is showing that absolutely uh, is one million percent. So now that you're going to make me jinx him, um, I'll, I'll do it anyway. Uh, you know, they know the last time that Edwin Diaz gave up a run, it was two months ago. Um, you know, he's 1.33 RA, 27 saves on the season. Opponents are hitting 164 against him. He's got the, the craziest stat, though, that I think is that he's got 94 strikeouts in, I think it's 47 innings, which is good for about 17.9 Ks per nine. Uh, that would be the best in Major League Baseball history. Um, so, We'll see, if, we'll see if it keeps coming. Uh, right now, his Diaz is, is is automatic when he comes in. And there's games that you see him and the, uh, the opponents can't even touch the ball. It's just, they just whiff at it. It's it's great. How much is how much longer is the entrance music going to be awesome? <laughs> I think it stays, the, I think it stays the way as, as the season going on. I mean, a, a, until the season ends, I, I guess. I mean, the last great, you know, uh, closer entrance music obviously belongs to someone across the town, but uh, that this this is more fun. It's just every part about it. And, and if you've been watching the games on SNY, the even the production teams are having fun. They're the way they're just they're they don't they don't cut to commercial between the eighth and the ninth. They're, they're playing with black and whites and shadows and, and the, where the music's coming out. It's 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 great. SNY is more fun than yes. The Mets are way more fun than the Yankees right now. Like the world is really going crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, Edwin Diaz. An unbelievable turnaround Mets land. Speaking of turnarounds, Francisco Lindor, another guy who comes in, major hype, big trade, big contract. Last year was so-so. This year is a lot better than so-so. What's been the difference? You know, I think uh, he needed, uh, you know, as, as a guy coming in with a $300 million deal, I think that, um, you know, by all me, by all uh, sort of uh, indication is that he's a great clubhouse guy uh, that he doesn't, you know, putting aside that ridiculous thing that happened with Baez uh, last year, 
Uh, everyone seems to respect him in the clubhouse. He brings that fun. He brings he brings professional attitude towards the game. Uh, he uh, and you know he's just he's raking. He's he's definitely um, probably the best shortstop in baseball right now. Um, and uh, you know I don't I don't know, I don't know about that. I mean, there's there's Trey Turner. There's you know Dansby Swanson. Well, he's uh, he's the highest. He's got the highest WAR amongst all shortstops in baseball. He's got the third most home runs. He's got the most RBIs. He's got the most runs. So I I think there's a strong argument to say that uh, Francisco Lindor is the best shortstop in baseball. Um, I, you know I, I would say that uh, he's certainly living up to his contract. Um, and you know as you know with the in baseball uh, in in these long term contracts, you just need about half of the contract to go well and then it pays um, for so, itself especially it for like itself. If you, yeah if you make With, if you make big um you know postseason runs half the contract if you get good production it pays for itself and yeah i mean like the scherzer deal right now looks cheap uh you know why not give him 50 million a year 60 million a year what's the difference i mean yeah i i, I agree i mean the the yankees i wanted them to sign scherzer nope I want them to hire Buck Showalter and fire Aaron Boone. Nope. The Mets took care of all that. And, you know, it, it is what it is. They're right now the uh, the best team in New York for certain. Uh, Francisco Lindor is a big part of that. I mean, you know, it, it's just – it's an unbelievable season right now. As somebody who, you know, roots for the other team across the pond, it's it's great. Uh, if, you're, if you're the Mets looking at a big picture right now, I've said this for a while. I think that they are the World Series favorite. I know what the Dodgers record is. It screams to me a lot like, kind of like the Yankees, good regular season team, will always fall flat on their face. I know they won a World Series in a 60-game Fugazi season. That doesn't really count. They haven't won anything since 1988. Would you put the Mets as the favorite to get to the World Series out of the National League and ultimately win it. Well, I don't have to put them as the favorite because Vegas put them as the favorite. So, you know, it's not, it doesn't matter what I think. It's what right. Vegas thinks and how people are betting. And the Mets are the favorite to win the World Series right now. I think the Dodgers losing Walker Buehler yesterday or two days ago is is, is really bad for them. Uh, that's makes their a difference. That, it makes a difference. Their ace is out. Um, you know, I think there's a there's a handful of teams that could win the series. Um, and the Mets are certainly at the top of that list. Um, and anytime you could walk into the postseason with DeGrom and Scherzer and right now Bassett, who is pitching out of his mind, um, you know, you know, Bassett hasn't given up a run again. We're, we're going to Jake thing, but Bassett hasn't given up a run in, I think 21 innings now. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's just right up there with him. And he's a guy who goes later into games. Um, because his strikeout rate isn't as high as DeGrom and Scherzer. Uh, but uh, I imagine as we loosen it up uh, DeGrom's pitch count, um, well, you know, that, that'll, that'll change as well. Um, but there's no reason why the, the Mets are built to win in the postseason. They have the starting pitching. They have the closer. They, they're a, a team that hits the contact. They're one of the, the strikeout, one of the least in, in all of baseball. Um, they have the home run pop when they need it. Um, and you know, I, I see no reason why they're not going to be holding the world series trophy as the season comes to the end. So let's see. 
sometimes I, you know, I, I've been listening to a little bit of uh, New York sports radio, and the thing with the Mets is like they don't just swing for the fences; they try and put you know rallies together, contact hitters. The, the downside to that in the playoffs apparently is just like it's just harder to string together rallies, right? Because the pitcher, the pitching is better. So, could they have used an extra power bat? Yeah, I don't really know who is available because, I mean, Juan Soto wasn't being traded to the Mets. Uh, J.D. Martinez has nine home runs this year, so he kind of stinks. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think – I don't think any of that's going to matter because in a playoff series to see Scherzer twice and DeGrom twice and Diaz, like, there are your four wins right there. Like, I, I'm, I just – I'm not even trying to jinx it because I'm not one of those Yankee fans who like really hates the Mets, who gets annoyed by the Mets. Like I, I would be very cool with the Mets winning because it's just a likable, likable team. And, you know, I, I, I love watching DeGrom. I, I love watching Scherzer and it would just be, it'd be great. And I have a lot of Mets fans in my life that are, you know, like me, depressed sports fans, depressed New York sports fan, and a, and a little bit of light in their life would be nice. I don't know anything about being a depressed sports fan. <laughs> Nothing. Well, <laughs> before we get into F-Boy Island, speaking about depressing uh, sports situations, the New York Jets, we spoke on uh, Saturday morning when the news about second-year quarterback – Oh my God, Zach Wilson. I, I just almost drew a blank. Zach Wilson, knee injury. We thought that it was potentially a torn ACL. It's not. It's just a bone bruise, only out about four, five, six weeks. Sigh relief. What what level sigh relief are you at? I'm at no relief until the surgery happens today. Um, I don't know when we're going to post this, but, uh, you know, he's in for his scope today, August 16th, right? So, uh, we'll see what happens. They gotta go in. They gotta see what's going on there. Uh, hopefully, it's just a partial tear of the meniscus, and they are able to repair it. And we're talking two, four weeks. But uh, I don't think that until um, yeah. Thank you for by the way ruining my entire Saturday with that news. Uh, just your casual drop uh, <laughs> that Zach Wilson. Oh, by the way, had a non-contact knee injury. That was great. I appreciate that. Uh, um, you would have been mad wanted, at me if I not said anything. I, I just found out another score. one. All what? I wanted was the Mets score. I didn't want that. <laughs> Anytime I ask for a Mets score, somebody tells me about the Yankees. My response always is, I don't care. And and then you, you, you drop in that casual, oh, by the way, Zach Wilson has a non-contact knee injury. You know, I, I, I'm I hoping for the best. With the Jets, it's always the worst. So I'm just assuming he's out for the season. So I guess we'll see. And it's a real shame considering all the things that the Jets have done in the last two off seasons to put together good pieces around the quarterback. Like they've paid guys, they've drafted pretty well, they've drafted smart. And for you not to see what he can become for another year when guys' contracts come closer and closer to expiring, it would just be, you know, pretty devastating for the Mets. I mean, for the Jets. It, it would be again. I'm hoping that it's just a two to four week that we see. I I, I really doubt we'll see him the first week in in Baltimore. You know, I uh, I, I shudder to talk about this because we're gonna know you know later today um, what what the situation is. So um, I guess we'll see. Um, but 
I, um, I, I'm, as a Jet fan, I am pessimistic of what will be the case. And yeah, you're right. They put the right pieces around him so that he can succeed. So I guess we'll see. Uh, but in the, in, in, in the, as a side news, I guess he has more time for the women of New York. So good for him. Throwing bombs, banging moms, the best. Some of the best content on the internet. That and Edwin Diaz uh, background music to Jews doing stuff is, is some of my favorite content. Yeah, it's the, the funniest was when Robert Sala basically said we have three starting quarterbacks on the roster with Joe Flacco, Mike White, the legend, and Zach Wilson. Usually when you say that, that means you have zero, but – We'll, we'll see. I mean, Zach Wilson, year two are entering. So that's going to be part one with Harris Marks. We're going to break this up a little bit because we have to get into F-Boy Island. And we're going to do that in just a matter of moments. All right, we're back with Harris, part two. By the way, we did want to mention that we went 25 minutes talking about the Mets. We didn't mention Pete Alonso, who, again, may be the National League MVP. So shout out to him just to make sure that he gets his shine because he's a major reason why the Mets are as good as they are. But now it's time to get into really what I think is is the greatest TV show ever created in terms of reality television. Streaming on HBO Max. Harris, season one. Uh, is Garrett the greatest reality television star in the history of reality television because i know his moment was brief it was only one season but his star shined so bright brighter than anybody that i think that his peak is better than anybody else's peak your thoughts yeah so i absolutely love garrett and i i can't dis i can't agree with you more i think part of what made his star shine so bright was how uh, the rest of the cast was a bunch of like Instagram models or content creators or nutritionists or whatever they were. And this guy is like, a, he's like a Bitcoin investor or something like that. And he, this guy is just out of his mind. So, like, have, uh, by the way, I have questions about his level of investing, by the way, because I have deep dived into his Instagram. He's maybe my favorite human being alive right now. But I'm not sure how much tech investing and angel investing and crypto investing he actually does. But continue. Yeah, but you know, just just the way he created he he created the game at, uh, of of F Boy Island. The, the whole concept of the show is incredible, and uh, yeah, he's he's great. Uh, the sh so the shock at the end of season one, and for those who don't know, basically F Boy Island is three women competing for love with 24 guys. Half the guys are there considered nice guys that are there for actually trying to find love. And the other half are considered fuck boys, which are just there to try and work these women over and win some money. Okay. And you get eliminated based on like who you have connections with. It, it's, it's so excellent as somebody who's a bachelor, bachelorette, bachelor in paradise fan. This is so much better than that. Um, when he, when Garrett at the end, when Sarah chooses him and he's like, after he said that, you know, Sarah, you are 
making me a, a better man, making me different and changed. And then maybe 30 seconds later, it's like, I have to do it. I'm going to take the money and run. Like, like, what kind of smile did that put on your face? As somebody who, at the beginning of the season, called himself the king of the F-boys, and he may very well be the king of the F-boys. Yeah, it's it's sort of a rare thing in reality television. And as you know, I watch a lot of reality television. Yes. Uh, people are very concerned about sort of their image. You know, part of being on reality TV is what kind of promotions you're going to get uh, after uh, what uh, after being on reality TV, how many followers you're going to have, what is, how are you going to uh, parlay your stint on television into uh, earning potential in the future? And so people are very concerned with how what their image is and how that will be portrayed so that they can get sponsorship when they leave. Garrett just doesn't care. And, uh, you know, it reminds me to go old school with uh, in reality TV. It's, it was probably one of the greatest moves since, uh, Johnny Bananas in the challenge stole the money from Sarah. Yes. Um, that was that would be probably the only callback I can remember to this, except this show decided to F him anyway. So, uh, you know, I, I, they should have given him the money. This, that was nonsense. How, how bogus was that? Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing about reality TV shows is they make up the rules as they go. Uh, if I was a lawyer, which I am, I probably would just sue them. Uh, that's what I would do. <laughs> My favorite sure part of that that whole situation was when he goes, I don't even need the money. I was just in it for the love of the game. Shout out to this podcast. But like, yeah, like, let's be real. Like, you wanted 100 grand. Like, just say you wanted 100 grand. Like, we're, you don't need to put up the facade. It's 100 grand. Yeah, I, I agree. And, uh, you know, it's nonsense. They didn't give it to him. But, uh, you know, I think and, and so like I was saying, you know, he, you know, everyone's so concerned about their image. And I think that was a problem with the. Uh, with this, the second season where all the F boys were just, they, they, they split the money, which outrageous. Um, and you know, it's it, it sort of, it's, 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 it's that fear that what will happen after they leave reality TV. And the worst part about it is Tamaris pulls that same Garrett move at the end of season two, and she gets to keep the coin. It's reverse yeah. sexism. It's insanity. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. And, you know, I guess they were t hinting all season that that's what she was going to do. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I agree. It's crazy. You can't change the rules like this. The rules need to be defined. It's, it's nonsense. I want to talk about the casting for a second. Where are they finding these women? Because so far, the casting has been, let's just say, lackluster. Yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like they, they have, like, some boxes they need to check. Uh, to sort of get um, uh, to sort of get the largest audience, and uh, I think if I remember correctly, in the first season they were all just content creators. Uh, I, I think uh, I don't remember. If, well, Sarah if, was uh, a social media manager. Right. Um, I for and CJ, who I think was by far the best of the six that they've had so far, even though she chose poorly. Um, she was a she's like a comedian and, and you know a model and oh my god what was her what was the um, the uh the, the the black girl in the first season I'm forgetting what her name was nakia 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 i i don't remember what she did yeah so nakia was a hair and makeup stylist uh sarah was social media manager and cj was a content creator and model right 
And in the second season, uh, you know, Mia was a former pageant queen slash dental student. Louise was a model. And Tamaris, uh, I don't think she has a job. <laughs> I want to talk about Louise for a second. Yeah. Louise in season two gets called out for being uh, a dumb blonde in a kissing booth. Not necessarily sure that's that's what you want to be calling people, but I don't know what that is. When 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 Louise calls the guy out for calling her those names, I understood it, and you know, but let's not pretend that like Louise is like some super you know sharp tool over here, right? Like that was a little overstated. Yeah, and she kept saying it over and over and over again. Over and over again. I wouldn't even mention it if he had, she hadn't been repeating it over and over again. But it's just like – and then you see who she choo- chooses. The whole yeah. thing was in- insane. Louise, I was off Louise. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I don't think any of these uh, – I, I mean, I think that's part of why made FBoy Island so great because the stakes are so low, right? Uh, as opposed to something like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette where, like, the stakes are you're going to get married, even though it never works. F boy Island knows its stakes. Okay. You date, right? That's it. And if dating doesn't work, well, then you move on with your life and all these people, they're not ready to be married. So why, why pretend it's, it is what it's not. She right. wanted to have fun with Mercedes. So let her choose Mercedes. Good. Good for her. Precisely. Couldn't have said it any better, but what's the future of this show? Like how much longer can this charade go on? Because, I mean, I love it, but, like, will it ever – I don't think it could ever reach the heights that it did in season one, correct? Like, it just can't. I mean, I think it's all about casting, right? So uh, I don't think they need to have recurring characters. I think, you know, it was unnecessary to bring Casey back. I, it, it just wasn't it, – it didn't. we didn't need that. You know, we didn't need Peter back. I, I think I think if the, if the show can continue to exist – you know, it doesn't. The show is like a show that doesn't take itself seriously, right? So it, it, they're constantly making fun of itself. Their host, Nikki Glaser, is a comedian. She's right on. Uh, she's spot on with how she's mocking the show as it's happening. I, I think I she's think done that, an excellent job hosting. Yeah, an excellent job, and uh, you know, she doesn't take it so seriously, and that's the problem with a lot of these dating shows that their hosts take it like it's like the most serious thing. I think it's one of uh, Jesse Palmer's troubles in this season is that he's taking it too seriously at, uh, of The Bachelor. And even though I, I, I'm a fan of Jesse Palmer, I, I just think that he's uh, he, he's playing the role too much and not being himself. Uh, but back to FBoy Island, Nikki Glaser doesn't. She's just a comedian and she's just making jokes and that's what she should do. It's funny you said that about Jesse Palmer. I said the same thing earlier on on this podcast when talking about The Bachelorette, that he's just trying to do the Chris Harrison imitation too much and just be himself. But with this season, he's probably been the best part of the show because it's an absolute disaster. But whatever. That's for a different uh, different episode. I love this show, but I just don't know if they'll ever capture the magic that it had in season one because – Garrett was just such like a white whale. Yeah, I I, I agree. Garrett was incredible. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in the reality TV space. There may be there may be someone they could find who could to match it, but I think they have to continue to innovate. I can't. I don't think they could stay with this same um, model. Format. So yeah, I think they 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 have to change it up. 
uh, in order to, to be long lasting or they don't and they could just end the show and that would be fine too. I would thank them for two, maybe they'll, they'll probably do at least a third, but that would be fine. We could just move on and there's, there's other reality TV to be made. Let me ask you this last question before we go. Do you have anybody in your life that you have a bromance with like Garrett does with Casey? Cause I think it's beautiful and we need more of that in society. <laughs> I agree with you. I think I I I I wish I had did. I I I it's something that's aspirational for me. Uh, I would like to have that in my life, um, and I, I think I, I need to work on that. What I, I agree. I'm looking for it. I'm searching for it. It's. I think it's wonderful. There was one scene I have it saved on my phone when Casey comes back to the house, and because they were roommates and they embrace, and he got, and there's like. Bro, you look so handsome that still, bro. Go and then Garrett goes, "You too, bro." And it's just, it's, the, it's the best. It's just the absolute best. Long live Garrett. I, if there was a twenty-four-seven Garrett cam, I would watch it. I love this guy. I absolutely love this guy, and I love F Boy Island. I, I hope it can continue, even though I know it can't be as good as it was. This is great. Harris, this is great. Thanks so much for doing it. We're doing it midday, switching it up a little bit. Uh, I, I'm glad for your sake that the Mets are as good as they are. You know, we're hoping for the best for Zach Wilson news, and my sports teams are boring compared to yours. So um, I'm, I'm glad you're having yourself a moment. I appreciate it. It's been fun. I'll speak to you soon. Man. Thanks so much, bud. Thanks again to recurring guest Harris Marks for coming on the show, talking a little F-Boy Island. What a television show. Garrett, I still can't get over how awesome that guy is. Just just what a human being. And for talking a little bit about the Mets, exciting times in Mets land. Maybe the Yankees will have some exciting times later on in the year and they will stop sucking like they are right now. That's remained to be seen. Well, anyway, that's episode 170 for the love of the game. Take us out, loverins, and 50 Cent. Go hard in the paint. Boyfriend mugging all hard cause you can't. 91 premium, all in the tank. Got deposit that call us a the bank. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.